Hello, everyone, and welcome to season three of In Event Talks, a podcast powered by Eventland. This season, we are talking about digital human interaction, the future of work, diversity, and relationships. We're also going to have one of the most futuristic and technologically advanced leaders speaking candidly about their experiences with event tech. Grab a drink, press play, and join the conversation. I am Deji Yoshikoya, and it's great to have you here with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In Event Talks. My name is Deji, for those who don't know me, and I have the special honor of being your host today. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, In Event Talks is an original series by In Event, where we host discussions with industry experts, as well as thought leaders across a number of fields and disciplines. One day, it could be a talk on mental health and the tools needed to navigate it. The next, it could be sharing expertise on HR or work tips on how to improve your efficiency. You never truly know what you're going to get. The only thing that we guarantee is that it will be informative, educational, and entertaining. Now, in today's event talks, we're going to share on a topic that I think is very interesting and one that I have a lot of personal interest in, and that topic is employer branding. So the talk is going to be on employer branding more than just business cards, titles, and corner offices. Now, to provide insight on this topic, we have with us today an incredible guest. His name is Michael Cam Leitner, and he is the CEO at Walls.io and was a founder at, and is a founder at Swartz.io as well. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today. Hi, Deji. Uh, hi, everyone at, at the InEvent Talks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Um, you know, it's been very interesting over the last couple of weeks to just speak to a bunch of different guests. And I feel like just over the time that we've done this, there's so many things that just get revealed on, on processes and how just people have been able to accomplish the things that they've accomplished in their career. And it's just always nice to hear little interesting anecdotes, you know, from their lives as well. So we're very grateful to have you here with us today. And we're really looking forward to getting into it. So I think I'll just start with some personal questions about you. Um, so you were the founder of Walls.io. Um, I think the first thing that I want to know, just introducing it for um, our audience who's listening and watching, how did you create this idea and what made you focus on the social media space? And also, if you could just kind of give us a little background on what Walls.io does as well, that would be great. Yes, of course. Happy to do so, Deji. So, yes, as you already mentioned, my name is Michael. I'm founder and CEO at Walls.io. As to your question, how uh, how I came to to be active in this wonderful world of social media marketing, that's, of course, a long story and have to try to keep short. My my personal background uh, is uh, I'm, I'm a developer by heart. I used to to, 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 to build web applications, software on, on the web. Like uh, until 10 years ago, uh, I, I found out about... Uh, this new opportunity that social media platforms were giving developers. Like back in 2008, I think, Facebook first made their platform open and that allowed small, tiny little developer shops like mine to actually build applications on top of their audiences, on top of their platforms. And being not purely technical, but also interested in communication and how information can be uh, com can be transferred and communicated uh, around the world, I found it super interesting not to build simple little websites anymore but to embed my web projects in in on or on these uh 
these uh, social media platforms back then. So that was the starting point and uh, started to do some agency work then. It was one of the first, uh, one of the first developers in, in the German-speaking markets to, to really embrace these new uh, possibilities on, on Facebook and other platforms. And, uh, and from there, it just, uh, it just became even more interesting. We became a little agency business, built uh, custom bespoke marketing applications for, for many customers, brands, who were among the first to realize the potential of social media. So that was super exciting, always working with people who were also like very forward thinking. And out of this, out of this custom work for agencies, we basically uh, developed the idea of false.io. So the idea was to use social media content or user generated content, how we call it nowadays to, to basically show like that we are going beyond social media now basically fetching and, and, and collecting content around a certain topic, around a brand, around a keyword from various social media platforms and make that accessible to online marketers. That is what we still do, by the way. Uh, but uh, how it really started is actually a fun story. It really started by uh, started with a friend's birthday party. So we were celebrating uh, this agency friends of mine party and we had this idea, why not, why not set up a, a display, a physical screen, a digital screen, collecting uh, what everyone was posting about first birthday party like uh, what they were posting on twitter on, on on facebook we didn't have instagram back then so there were not there was not so much uh, visual content and so for this party we built the first prototype actually that became Valsio, like uh, running this uh, this tv screen collecting all the content it was a great time everybody loved it people were standing standing in front of the screen tweeting and then sharing their thoughts about the party and basically that was the nucleus that was the idea that uh, led me or led my team to create Valsio. Nice, nice, very interesting. Also, very interesting to know that it came from a party as well. You, you really never know where inspiration could come from. Exactly, exactly. So, so it actually shows, uh, and and of course, we only realized, or I only realized and learned it later on, on, on why why uh, to some aspect uh, social media is so interesting uh, because uh, it can connect people and uh, with our software it just uh, did not connect them only online but also in the physical space like we acted like this kind yeah. of bridge between the virtual and the physical and yeah. and thinking about it that is still true today if you think about uh, virtual and hybrid events uh, there's still this connecting element that can be social media yeah Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for sharing that. I think I'm just going to move on to the next question now. I'm just just piggybacking off of what you said. Um, so I think social networks have a lot of positive things, you know, that they've enabled us to do over the years. I'm just connecting globally, um, allowing us to promote our companies, obtain clients, so many different functions. Um, but I think one of the things that I was curious about coming into this was more so the dark side of social media, especially in 2022. So I was going to ask you, um, what do you think is the least positive aspect of like the social network boom across industries and across all industries and across, I guess, the industries that you've kind of interfaced in your time? Mm. Honestly, that's a, that's a tough question to answer for someone uh, like me who basically built the most part of, of, of uh, his career and his company on top of these platforms. So I'll be honest, it's sometimes not as easy, uh, not that easy for me to like, uh, to like uh, stay objective and, and think about the dark side. <laughs> uh, I will be honest with you. I mean, and, and I'm in this for more than 10 years now. I mean, and well, but at, at the core, these social media platforms and not just social media platforms, but it extends, I think, to, to, uh, 
messenger services, for example, like Telegram or, or WhatsApp and so on. These are basically communication tools and they are allowing to do communication, let's say, on, on steroids. So that means they massively increase the potential reach of your communication. They also, uh, up to the point where we call it viral even, right? I mean, that's the extreme case of, uh, of increased uh, reach uh, on these platforms. They also massively increase the speed of communication, which is also very helpful in, in so many ways. Um, so that's the, that's the, that's the positive things. Um, of course, I as a I would call myself like a technologist. Uh, I, I usually see these uh, these platforms as as, uh, as tools, as neutral tools. So I'm basically very agnostic about whether it's good or bad. It's a communication channel. Obviously, obviously the outcome of the communication can be good or bad, but it's not inherently the platform that is good or bad. So I have a sort of neutral uh, neutral viewpoint on, on that. However, that said, uh, I think uh, what if at all could be described as the dark side or the downside of, uh, of these platforms is what has been caused by, uh, by, their, by their constant uh, struggle for growing more and more. And you could even say like their addiction to grow more, to grow their, their user base, to grow interaction and how the platforms reacted. And that's basically, you might call it the original sins of the platforms uh, was that they like uh, put so much emphasis on the algorithmic feeds, like uh, building like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost that really just enforces what you are already interested in, that enforces content that uh, that uh, encourages strong uh, reaction. Unfortunately, that is mostly or often very often negative content. So this whole al algorithmic thing, which uh, basically leads back to their business model i think that is what you could consider a problematic or maybe even dark side of most or maybe even all of the social media platforms today and we have seen that in recent years of course uh how that can play out for example with the u.s elections and stuff like that yeah yeah i think just piggybacking off of what you said um another interesting trend that i think i've noticed with um social media is that it feels like a lot of them have become um the word that I, the word kind of fails me but um just kind of all the same in a way because so I guess so I'll, for, I'll give you a perfect example like with the with the with the boom of sites like TikTok for example it feels like everyone is sort of just kind of losing their own individuality and trying to chase that and I guess that also just speaks to you speaking about them becoming um, obsessed with user growth you know so whatever trend it feels like is going to bring in as much user growth or if they see someone else doing something that is bringing them user growth everybody just instantly flocks in that direction as well i find that it's very interesting that's a very good point and of course also not very positive and then if you remember and i think facebook meta instagram whatever you want to call it these days is like the prime example here of uh, of really of really uh, copycatting like whatever new content format comes out sometimes more or less successful you are right yeah. this is also like a, not a very positive trend i mean uh uh luckily or i would say like facebook is not always successful with this strategy but they still try you just remember yeah. when the, the stories format popped up everywhere on facebook on instagram on whatsapp uh, and so on yeah you're right that's a good point yeah it's personally ruining my social media experience i for example i don't enjoy instagram as much as i did because now it's become like a video just a pure video um um, website but moving on moving on away from my social media i can experience. i can i can feel you I, 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 I <laughs> <very similarly laughs> yeah i just wish i wish everybody would specialize more you know it just feels like they're all becoming the same but yeah it is what it is um so my next question then i, I th just reading a bit about you and like just your bio and understanding what it is that you do 
Um, I realized that you're an angel investor, which is very incredible. Um, and I also think you just obviously have like a certain vocation for this. So why did you decide to be an angel investor is probably my first question, just going off of that. And what has been the project that has made you feel most most proud, like that you've supported? Mm. What project have you mm. been most proud to support? That's a that's that's an excellent question and also hard to answer. I would say like uh, I, I really do enjoy building things, right? Uh, and uh, things in my in my in my case usually means or so far means like creating a company, building a product. Uh, however, you can only build so many products at the same time. Uh, we have we all have twenty four hour days, so uh, there's only limited amount uh, to do that. So one way to get more exposure and be more involved with more products or more uh, companies is of course to 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 uh, to, to find opportunities to invest in, in other startups, in other companies. And so that allows me to be involved in, in other projects. It allows me also to, to share what I've learned so far, hopefully can hopefully being able to help uh, younger or other founders to, to learn from, from my mistakes and uh, together find, uh, find, uh, find out more opportunities. So it's really about uh, being involved in, in other interesting projects uh, without having to, to bear the, the responsibility to create a new company every time, but uh, like uh, like being involved in this level as an investor, so that is very that is very fulfilling, uh, especially because of the sharing part and uh, learning together and uh, yeah, seeing how far we can bring those ideas together. Just out of curiosity, um, what are some what what top what sort of project would you say you typically gravitate towards as far as like being an angel investor? And this this wasn't even a question that I planned to ask yeah. initially. No, that's yeah, fair question, good question actually. I mean, uh, I'll be honest. I mean, uh, being like an angel investor, it sounds like I don't know. I have super deep pockets and a million to spend. Unfortunately, or maybe not unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, for better or worse, that is not the case. So I don't have any uh, any any deep pockets to to, to invest money, uh, which uh, which explains why uh, the focus of my involved the projects I'm involved in usually gravitate toward uh, gravitate around the topics I'm very familiar with and where I actually believe I can provide some value. So that means everything around online marketing, social media marketing, B2B software products, the topics I've been uh, uh, focusing on my, my previous decade or, or so, where I really tend to believe, yes, uh, I can, uh, money aside, I can actually provide uh, some some value for for the the project I'm backing. So that is that is my my sweet spot, and I think that is also why I enjoy doing that. I mean, of course, it would be interested interesting to to be involved or invest in like completely different stuff, like uh, consumer products or or hardware. That is very tempting, and that's like uh, that maybe at some point also possible for me. But right now, I would really like to be focused on the areas where I believe, I tend to believe I, I can I can offer some some expertise thank you thank you for sharing that that was just one of those questions that kind of formulated as you were speaking um so i think we've spoken a bit a little bit about what it is that you do as far as like um you know angel investing and like um the work that you do on a day-to-day now i'm just a bit more curious about the topic that we're discussing um which is employer branding uh so employer branding you know can be the thing that makes or breaks um, a company's recruitment strategy. And if they want to attract the best work for their company, it's crucial that their employer branding is on point and, you know, resonates with the candidates they want to hire. So, um, and just even going off of that, so how you position your company as an employer and how this positioning influences, I guess, the perception of businesses and what it's like to work at the company 
all of these things mean a great deal, you know? So I guess following up on that, I have a couple questions. And one of them that I want to ask is, why build an employer brand on social media? So what is the importance of that as far as you're concerned and from your perspective? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think, as you just said, that the core employer branding, uh, at least as I understand it, is uh, a strategy or an approach to, 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 uh, to communicate and transport your organizations or your company's values, your approaches, or maybe the personality of your company to an audience usually or mostly with the goal of uh, uh, being, being, uh, being interesting uh, in, in, uh, for candidates in recruiting. So that's what I would say is like employer branding uh, uh, at its core. So why would you do that uh, on social media? I think, uh, I think, there's, I think we, can, we can let the numbers speak. I mean, uh, uh, basically nowadays almost everybody is using some sort of social media platform. I don't have any exact number, but I, I have a feeling that it must be more than 80 or 90% of the population who are using uh, social media channels. And more specifically, uh, I have just uh, for, uh, done, I did my homework. I, I found some numbers. Uh, for example, I can, I can offer you this, this number. 73% uh, of the millennials uh, found the latest position directly through a social media platform. 79% uh, of so, uh, job seekers in general, like across all generations, are uh, using social media for their job search in the last year. So I think this is uh, some very, very strong arguments on uh, about why you should do uh, why you should uh, do or maybe even focus your employer branding efforts on social media platforms simply because the audience will be there fair enough so it's more so about just positioning and meeting them at their points of need thank you very much for that yes yes exactly i mean i mean when i was when i was uh, uh, the last time i was looking for a job that was of course uh, completely different uh, you would uh, you would primarily look on job boards etc but nowadays of course uh, job seeking works very differently and like i said to a good part it will start or even happen uh, on a social media platform linkedin yeah. might be the first one you you think about of course but uh, but of course not just linkedin that is uh, that's also something we can uh, we can discuss uh, maybe later the later point in this conversation which platforms actually could be interesting for for employer branding yeah and just even moving on that that's an interesting one my next question then would be what are some tips that you have for promoting like an employer like an, for an employer promoting their brand on social media you know to attract the right type of recruitment or attention Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think there's some uh, some more tactical tips and strategies that uh, that a company might uh, uh, might be well advised to follow, and there's maybe some more strategic uh, approaches that that we can discuss. I mean, on a on a tactical level, I think uh, employer branding on social media is basically. Uh, a subset or a form of social media marketing. I would. Uh, I, that's at least my, my my point of view. So a lot of a lot of uh, tips that uh, in general apply to social media marketing might also apply to employer branding on social media. And I think uh, one of the first one of the first uh, uh, questions that you should ask, especially if you're starting to actively uh, and strategic strategically do employer branding on social is of course the question which platforms uh, do you want to be uh, do you want to be active on uh, of course there's like this big number of platforms available these days i don't know uh, for example my product my, my company my product the software we're building supports more than 13 uh, so that usually means uh, for most companies you can't be active everywhere 
that just doesn't make sense. So strategies like duplicate all the content through all the channels and post everywhere the same is usually not a good advice. So the first, the first tip really is to choose to choose your battlefield, to choose the platforms where you want to really be active on. Of course, said that has a lot to do. I can't answer that question for you without knowing more about your business. It's all about yeah. your, your your target audience. Who who is your ideal? How does your ideal candidate look like? Uh, is it uh, someone who is using TikTok? Are they are they on LinkedIn the whole day? So you would have to uh, to assert that and then really choose where you want to be active on. Maybe one, two, or three platforms for for starters, and then really double down on those and try to make those platforms work, not just like be everywhere at the beginning. That is something that almost never works in in, in classical social media uh, marketing, and I'm sure it's the same thing for doing employer branding on social. Yeah, yeah, I've actually heard that quite a bunch. Um, when you when you spread, you know, a wide net that touches everyone, you end up not reaching anyone at all because there's no such thing as a exactly. Exactly. And what we see and what we see, and unfortunately, or I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, uh, with our software company, we are exposed or we have a lot of uh, touch points uh, with uh, with our customers, obviously, who are using our product for employer branding. So for better or worse, we, we see a lot. We see a lot of good things. But of course, we see also a lot of companies who, in my opinion, are not doing it in an, in an ideal way. And what I mentioned yeah. before is this, uh, this misconception, hey, we have to be active on 10 platforms, but we don't have the resources to do that. So let's just create a social media post for Facebook and then copy it to, 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 to LinkedIn and maybe even like do a one-to-one -one copy as a TikTok video or whatever. Uh, that's, that's the wrong approach. Uh, choose yeah. one platform, do it right there, and hopefully you will choose the right one, uh, which is the one uh, where your, your audience actually is uh, hanging out. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so my next question then, just moving on from tips for promoting your brand on social media, um, what do companies like Starbucks, Google, uh, I mean, just outside, like maybe the Starbucks, Google, Ikea, you know, there's a bunch of them that are globally known brands. Um, so I'll say the common thread that ties companies like this is that they do employer branding very successfully. Um, and they stand out, they, they attract the best type of talent, especially with Google, you know, um, Google is, you know, just acknowledge worldwide as being a company that a lot of people want to work for. And they've done that in so many ways. They even have a source, they've gone so, so far as creating a movie, you know, where they have um, people, I think it was Will Ferrell and um, Owen Wilson as interns. And then they show a bunch of the Google practices and it looks very cool, you know, but yeah. So I think a bunch of these companies have done a really good job in employing and promoting their employer brand. And in your opinion, what are some of the things that have made, these particular guys stand out or like even just the most successful employer brands that you can think of. So what are some of the things that make them such powerful employer brands? Yeah. Well, I, I, I had to smile now because, uh, because you reminded me of the movie. Uh, uh, what's it called? The interns? Was it the interns? I think the interns. Yes. Yeah. I, I got to rewatch that because it's been a few years. That's a, that was a great <laughs> one. So, so uh, I, I'll be honest. I don't know too much about Starbucks uh, or, or Ikea and why their employer branding is, uh, is so great. It is obviously great, but uh, I would prefer to speak about Google because that is the industry uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working in. And like I said, in the beginning, uh, I used to, be a software developer myself um, so I would probably would I be living uh, in the States uh, I would have been like uh, maybe a potential candidate for them maybe I wasn't good enough uh, I don't uh, I don't know so 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 so, so I, I think I can 
uh, I can best relate to to Google of the companies uh, you have mentioned. Um, still, still, still not easy to 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 answer that one. I think I think uh, what Google they did did very well, uh, especially in the early years, is uh, uh, and I think they did it well before most other companies, or maybe I don't know, maybe even all. It's like to really put out. Uh, to put out their their mission and their, their the reason why they are existing and uh, and yes nowadays you might uh, you might uh, find that uh, a bit uh, a bit trivial or you could be sarcastic about it but this motto putting out the motto don't be evil it worked <laughs> in a very in a very powerful way obviously nowadays nobody would uh, would believe that motto anymore because uh, some might say it's maybe maybe not so much true i don't want to yeah. that's not the point but the point the, the point was like uh, like explaining the purpose of the company and why you actually want to work there i think back then and i think like 20 years ago almost right uh, it was a pretty new concept at least for me a company putting out that uh, so so in, in, so into the spotlight so i think that yeah. is a big part why why google uh, why google is what it is today and why it's, it's such a still such a, a brand that is that is uh, uh, that is uh, so it's aspirational for many software developers right that's another that's another that's another aspect that uh, that uh, that they somehow managed to to make clear if you're a computer scientist if you're a, if you're a software developer it's basically as good as it gets there's uh, at least until a few years ago it was like really the, the, the top you could get there's not, nothing more interesting more technologically challenging for a software developer than to work on these big uh, uh, big projects big big issues that google is tackling so uh, so they did that very well and i think although Nowadays, uh, uh, they have like much more competition. There's many many other tech companies who are doing excellent employer branding these days. But I think I think they still they still um, they are still getting value out of uh, being so early with their employer branding. Yeah. So there was an honesty to it for you that you feel like um, in the initial stage that was very good for their branding. Thank you. For yes, that. definitely, actually- definitely. Because honesty, it feels like honesty is often an afterthought. But I feel, I honestly, just working in PR myself, um, I feel like if you can afford to be honest about most things, then it's probably better to be, you know, simply because it's more sustainable that way. So I, I appreciate that point very much. That's, um, that's, that's very much true. And it's true, uh, uh, not just uh, in external communication, but of course, even more so I would say internally. And, and once you try to be transparent and truthful and honest uh, to the outside, uh, there's no, you also have to be, too, so it, one goes with the other. So that's a, that's a self-enforcing thing and the positive thing, I, I would say. Nice. Nice. Thank you. Um, so I think my next question then, and I kind of wanted to press on a bit more, and obviously if this is, if this is too on the spot, then feel free to discard because I feel like there's more questions that we can ask. But I'm wondering that in, in your experience and the people that you've encountered, um, what are some of the, I guess, so maybe give us a couple pieces of advice that you've given as far as like strategies um, for, you know, promoting your employer brand across social media. So that's one. Mm-hmm. And if that's a question that you feel like you can stretch, um, that you can answer. And then two, um, is there any company in particular that you feel like does their employer branding in an excellent way? So those mm. are my two. 
So uh, I would like to to uh, follow up. We, we we did start to discuss a little bit about uh, uh, tactical or specific tips on on doing employer branding on uh, on social media. And I mentioned like picking the right platforms as one tip. I could go on and on here. I mean, there's more things to do on a tactical level. I will come to the strategic level in a second. Uh, like uh, like uh, like for example, uh, building a, um, a social media content calendar, making sure that you have a good mix of content on the various platforms that addresses various target groups, various uh, groups of candidates and making it all like uh, structured and planned, not just like uh, uh, decide five minutes uh, before it's time to post, yeah, let's do this today and maybe tomorrow something else, like have a plan and follow a editorial content plan really. And that content plan, of course, has to be has to be um, sourced or, or, or the fundament has to be your, your employer branding strategy. So be, so be strategic in your content planning, uh, execute on it. And of course, tools, tools uh, uh, can, help, uh, can help with that. Um, there's, another, there's another more strategic uh, uh, approach here that I would like to, to push and force. Uh, I think uh, it's not just on social media, but uh, um, maybe on other channels, on other on other outlets, you can get away with not being hundred uh, percent authentic. Uh, maybe that works in a press release. Maybe that works uh, even on your job post. But uh, as soon as you are uh, you are um, using social media platforms and channels for for employer branding, I think authenticity is like uh, not just a must have, but it's it's almost a f- an enforcing factor uh, on these platforms. And uh, how can you be authentic? That's the that's the big question. And I don't. Uh, well, I have one suggestion to make. It's not an answer. Maybe it works not for everyone. And I know there's complications with that. But in my opinion, and that's also true for most of the great examples uh, I've seen with our business, but also personally, uh, um, is um, being authentic works best when you give your, your, your team, your employees a voice and actually uh, involve them uh, in employer branding. And uh, that can be done uh, by... by, by um, by uh, giving them the opportunity to share their experiences and their stories on your company profiles or or doing campaigns where you're actively engaging engaging your 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 team uh, to contribute content like sharing most memorable memorable moments of your onboarding when you started a company or uh, supporting a certain cause together things like that i mean of course i'm i'm more like a technical person not super creative but this is just some examples on how you can involve and uh, uh, involve your team into the employer branding campaigns and i think if you do that right uh, um, then this can really be like a re- really work on work out in an authentic way and i think that is one of the most important strategic tips uh, I would uh, I would uh, recommend considering. Yeah, I was I, I was just gonna follow up on the previous question as well because I feel like maybe because I joined them together it's possible that you missed it. Um, is there any company in particular? You don't have to go in depth. I'm sure we could find because we don't even have as much time as I would like. But um, yeah, is there any company in particular that you feel is working their employer branding in like a really excellent way, like a company that you've noticed, maybe outside of Google, because we've sort of agreed. Of course, of course. So. Of course. So, well, I mean, I, I, I will, uh, I, I did, I, I did, uh, I, I do see a lot of projects and, and companies in our, in, 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 with the group of our customers. It's super hard uh, to pick, to pick something, someone uh, specific, uh, but uh, I did, uh, I, I do re- regularly look at those projects and uh, we, I, I saw a great campaign and 
maybe that's worth picking out because um, sometimes you 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 think like not every industry is like uh, super creative and uh, uh, cutting edge whatever of course something like Google is cool and maybe some other consumer products like uh, I don't know like uh, like Uber or whatever they're 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 like like just hot and sexy uh, I'm I, I saw a great campaign recently. Uh, by Bearing Point. Bearing Point is a management and consulting company, so not something you would uh, immediately uh, consider to be uh, uh, very easy to communicate uh, in an authentic way uh, on social media. But uh, they they recently ran a campaign uh, to engage their 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 team, their workforce, uh, and the campaign was called uh, I think it was called Ten Days of Caring. And uh, internationally, they asked their employees to to share what causes what. Uh, what causes they were personally supporting like uh, if they were donating some money for some cause or if they were uh, joining forces on helping someone in the community and the campaign actually was so successful that it was extended for like two or three months they got like uh, uh, like a lot of content contribution from the team they were using a hashtag by the way uh, to gather all this content which is another great tactical tip uh, to use a hashtag for branding purposes, for, for employer branding purposes, and uh, in, encourage your your team, your employees to use that hashtag to 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 share stories, to share photos. The Bearing Point campaign was very very successful in that. So uh, so they collected tons of content from their from the team. They made it available not just on social media but uh, also on their website, which is. Uh, Again, a tip I definitely have to mention. Sorry if I'm uh, too, no, no if I'm getting no getting too getting too deep here, but uh, no but but of course, think about this bearing point campaign. So where they were asking their teams uh, to share to share their causes with the hashtag uh, 10 days of caring. Now that's great. All that content is on social media, which is which is great. We want to do uh, employer branding on, on social media, but uh, what we believe uh, is, uh, is super beneficial to bring it back to your own assets. And by bringing back, I mean, it's like, let's collect all the content that uh, the, the employees have been sharing, curate it maybe or moderate it and then put it on your way on the bearing point website. Uh, you can, you can use that of course, to, to, to spice up your job post, for example, job post gets like much more interesting. I, I get all the facts. Hey, that's the job. That's what's required of me. That's what, that's the benefits. That's the salary. But now I want to know how, how do these people really work together? And by uh, embedding or including uh, authentic content from your team, from your employees, uh, that is a great way uh, to, 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 to connect these two things. So, um, yeah, long story short, great campaign. Kudos to Bearing Point. There is a lot of other companies doing similar stuff, of course, but this was the most recent one, which was also executed in a very well way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And apologies for pressing. I just really wanted to know because I think you know, it just always helps to have you know, practical examples. Um, of course. So I think just bearing and, 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 and sorry for interrupting you. And if, if uh, one of our listeners or, or viewers is interested in this campaign or or other campaigns that we believe uh, uh, did great a great job of using social media content, social media channels for employer branding, uh, we have a great blog post. Uh, you can just go to blog.walls.io and search for employer branding. You will find it. Or maybe we can share it here uh, afterwards in the show notes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's something that we can get the production team um, to include. Um, so I think just with this now, we would love to see if we could take a couple questions um, from members of the audience. So please feel free um, to join and just ask a couple more things, depending on what 
has piqued your interest or if there's anything else that you'd like to hear from Michael um, before we sort of round up, you know, I have a couple personal questions that I like to ask as well to close off. Um, well, yeah, I'm just opening the floor just in case anybody feels like they want to. And also, yeah, thank you very much for sharing the link, Michael. I've just seen it. So, yeah, please feel free to check um, if you're in the audience and just you're willing to see the link. Um, but, yeah, like I've said, guys, if there's any additional questions that you want to ask, please do. But in the absence of them. OK, so I see one from Angelica who says, um, besides LinkedIn, what is the best next social network to recruit? I love the question, and I should have uh, tackled that topic uh, myself. I mean, I did briefly mention LinkedIn, of course. So LinkedIn is, of course, the obvious, the obvious choice, at least for all, let's say, uh, um, um, information work jobs or white collar jobs, right? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the the eight hundred pound gorilla. Um, what I find super interesting is what's happening in terms of recruiting uh, on TikTok, and and personally, I, I personally I feel I, I just feel to to be too but how should I say too old for TikTok? So I'm not really using it myself. And of course, everyone knows uh, TikTok is funny little movies with, uh, with dancing and dancing teenagers or people. But uh, uh, when we introduced TikTok and we added the platform last year to our product, to Walls.io, and I was pretty skeptical, I'll be honest. My team, my team, who is partly much younger than me, was really pushing, hey, let's add TikTok support. Let's add TikTok support. I was like, ah, does that really match our typical B2B customer? I was very skeptical. Yeah. And once we've launched it, uh, I, I, I did, of course, look into our customers' uh, social media uh, walls, as we call it. And uh, I was very happy uh, to, be, to have learned that I was completely wrong. Uh, actually, uh, a lot of companies already are using TikTok, especially for employer branding and recruiting. So uh, they're 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 letting their their interns post videos about their typical workday. They're sharing uh, experience from when their team is going uh, to an offsite and stuff like that. So and especially with uh, with with companies, which again you might not f uh, immediately think that they are very um, very social media savvy, like boring old school companies in the, the, the manufacturing or in industries. Uh, so stuff like that. Actually, I've seen great examples of these types of companies using TikTok very well for, for employer branding. So uh, LinkedIn aside, I would definitely uh, check out TikTok uh, and look for, for company profiles and what they're doing there in employer branding. That's a wonderful tip. That's actually a wonderful tip. And it reminds me of something that I recently saw. Actually, maybe not recently. I've seen it over time. Um, there's a guy on TikTok, I forget his name now, I wish I could share it, but um, he cleans windows. He cleans windows and he does it in an extremely creative way where on a typical day, you would never sit and watch someone clean windows, but he just, he has music going, he has all sorts of tricks that he does, and now he has millions of followers, you know, so there's so many distinct and interesting ways um, that I think that you can promote yourself on TikTok, and I appreciate you um, send, um, mentioning that as an option, you know, because it's not something that people would typically think about. And it was definitely not something I was thinking about. So it just goes to show you the evolution um, of so many different facets of like the work life in um, 2022. Um, I guess I was going to take some more questions from the audience, but in the absence of them, maybe I should just round up and then ask um, some of my final questions to go. So um, I think just kind of summing it up for the audience before I go into my final question. Creating, social, creating a social environment and giving your employees the confidence and tools for online sharing can have a drastic impact on your employer brand. In today's connected business world, 
social media and employer branding go hand in hand, like Michael has said. You can't really separate one from the other. And it's very important that you're able to incorporate your employees as well in the process. So when an employee is proud and excited to work for a company, they can't help but share it through social media. And with the click of a button, an employee can share the good news about your company to friends, family, and even the general public. Um, and also just kind of sharing about some of the stuff that we said, by facilitating positive social media branding, your company increases employee loyalty and retention with the attracting new pools of talent. And your employee engagement also skyrockets. So like I've said before, like, you know, with them engaging on their posts and social media, people share their good news and information. They share about promotions. They also share things about being brand leaders. And next thing you know, your company is no longer a faceless brand. You know, it has actual people that represent it. And the public will see your brand as a collection of fun, interesting, and talented people. I hope I did a decent enough job of just kind of summing up some of the stuff that we've discussed today. But to finalize, Michael, I want to ask you a question that we ask our guests every single week. So we love to know a little more about our guests with this one question that we ask them. And that question is, what are your three three favorite books that you'd love to share? Your three favorite books, rather. Oh, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that question, Deji. Uh, obviously, uh, luckily, I was able to, to you gave me a hint about that question so I could think about it before. <laughs> yeah. And I will, I will be honest, because otherwise I would have no, uh, no chance here to answer. I, I, actually, I am a relatively avid reader, so it's even, even harder to answer that. Uh, so I picked, uh, I picked three books, three, three different types of books. Uh, I love to read, uh, I love to read business books, ob ob most obviously. Uh, and one I really like to recommend is uh, called The Deadline. Uh, the Deadline, a novel about project management uh, by Tom DiMarco. It's a super fun, it doesn't sound fun, I know. Uh, a, novel about, <laughs> a, a novel about project management is probably the least fun uh, book title that you can uh, imagine, but it's actually a very, very nice fictional story about a fictional software team that has to that is working uh, that is working in a in a country where there's a dictator the dictator uh, uh, commands them to build like 10 software products in one year so totally crazy uh, uh, backstory and uh, it basically shows uh, why software projects can go wrong in uh, in such environments it's super fun to read especially for nerds and people who are active in software uh, development second one uh, second one i picked uh, is uh, a biography because i also love to to read biographies and it was hard to pick but one of my most famous uh, most uh, most uh, favorite uh, biographies i've read is the one uh, by phil knight who is the the founder of of nike it's called yeah. the shoe dog uh, a Mem memoir of the creator of nike so i'm not sure if you you have read it but this is an absolutely great book uh, if you want to learn more about uh, the history and the, 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 the early days of Nike. And finally, I picked the, I picked the novel. And so that's not just a serious books. Uh, and this is one, this is one I've read the first time when I was a teenager and I actually read it uh, again two years ago. It's The Stand by Stephen King. So it's a horror novel. And uh, the reason I read it two years ago, because The Stand is about uh, the, the, the end of the world uh, caused by by a flu epidemic, so it was kind of fitting to. <laughs> it was uh, it was kind of uh, fitting to read it again uh, two or three years ago when we had to when we had to face the the COVID issue. So that's the three books I would uh, I would like to to recommend and point out. Nice, nice. Thank you very much. Shoe dog is actually something that's been on my list forever. I just haven't had the time uh -huh. to actually go into it, but um, yeah, I've heard so much about the book. And also Stephen King. I mean, I've never really read his work because sometimes it could be
very threatening for me to do horror and I just tend to <laughs> run away from it. But that sounds like an excellent premise as well, you know. So thank you very much for sharing that. And also thank you for joining us today, Michael. Like honestly, this has been enlightening and enjoyable and insightful and educative. And, and I think we're just very happy to have you on. And also just even just speaking to you today, um, I think one of the things that's kind of come across is um, and with that we've had with other people that we've spoken on, um, spoken to on the platform, serendipity seems to kind of be like a theme where it just like feels like people sort of stumble on what it is that they want to do, you know, so they have these plans of like maybe. So, for example, in your case, you're a software engineer, for example. Um, but then you say that the idea came from a party, you know, so that's something that's extremely interesting to hear because it keeps it just keeps being something that's repeated. You know, everyone kind of has a plan, an idea, and then the idea just kind of hits them in the face and sets them up for the rest of their lives. So we're really grateful to have you on to share this story with us. And we hope that we'll have you on sometime again in the future. Thanks again for having me. It was really fun, a fun conversation. And uh, yeah, as you said, serendipity is really, really the key here. And uh, I hope, I hope uh, the in-event crowd, the in-event community enjoyed it today. Thanks for listening. And again, thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Michael. And thank you to everyone who's joined us from today, be it on LinkedIn or YouTube or on the InnoVent platform. We are grateful for you guys and we're grateful that you joined us from all over the world. Um, like I always say, guys, it's been an exciting time and we're honestly looking forward to the next one. Um, please join us next week because we'll have another interesting episode tuned up for you guys. But in the meantime, it's been a pleasure. My name is Deji. Like always, have a wonderful day and see you soon. Thank you for listening to In Event Talks, a podcast by Eventland. If you're interested in joining our global community for event profs, use hashtag Eventland to find us on social media. Until next time, have a lovely day.